In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's another day full of new signings, and I'm here with Jack and Ian. Jack, how excited are you today, buddy? I'm good, and I just want to say a massive shout-out to Andrew Berry, because whenever Dorsey used to make moves, it's when we're both just about going to bed, um, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not getting out of bed to do a podcast, whereas Andrew Berry drops news less than 10 minutes before we do podcasts. That, that is just the polite gentleman that he is. So uh, kudos to Andrew Berry, friend of the show. Ian, how excited are you about this new signing, pal? Well, we've had a couple of good signings today. We're, uh, we're bringing in some veterans on the defensive side of the ball. I think we're adding some physicality. So uh, who do we want to talk about first? The, uh... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, hey, hey. I had Troy Hill as my number one target going into the offseason. Yeah, nobody cares. Paul Brown's got any UDFA as his number one target. And your number one target today got signed. And you mentioned the two defensive players instead. Listen, we'll get on to that. Okay. He deserves his own segment on this podcast because Paul and I obviously are connected to Sir Cody. However, for now, we'll start with the people that'll play a few more snaps. They won't score as many points as Cody. Of course, he'll outscore Odell and Jarvis and probably Baker too, but that's beside the point. So I know we'll start with Malik Jackson, um, defensive tackle, um, three tech um, coming in one year deal. We don't know the numbers just yet. Might break while we're doing the podcast, but is a really good signing. Um, gives you a lot of depth and talent there. So um, no, it, it was important. Um, who knows what that means for Sheldon Richardson, um, but the dude was playing too many snaps last year and that's not his fault. <laughs> that, that was a, a lack of talent. Yeah. We, we talked about it a little bit during the post uh, the season breakdown. Where we were talking about defensive tackle and the fact that Sheldon was playing 75% of snaps getting in there above 30. We kind of said that they were going to bring somebody in. Now they're going to go two ways with this signing. If the Browns ever did decide to move on from Sheldon Richardson, you obviously have his replacement in Malik Jackson here. However, you could run both of those guys in rotation. So if I've got a young guy like Jordan Elliott, if I've got a guy like Billings, you know, I can split these snaps up. So not one of those guys is playing 75% of the snaps, but even with the rotations of the Browns wanting to have some versatile fronts, guys like miles Garrett, you know, they move inside and sometimes will take up one of those defensive tackle positions. So I think four defensive tackles or what the Browns will carry onto the week one roster. And here they are with Billings, Elliot Richardson and Malik Jackson. I think that's just indicative of the very weak interior draft class, interior defensive line draft class that's coming up. Yeah. I think it's one of them that I don't think it's going to happen, but Barmore slides all the way to 26. Then you can easily bring him in and move on from a Sheldon um, because it's probably going to be the case. Billings contract's already guaranteed. I, I'm guessing that Malik Jackson's will be as well. And then you've got Elliot there on the roster. Um, so that could be something they do. And 
it happens to teams where they just get something sweet that falls for them on the draft board and they go, sod it, we'll, we'll get rid of the veteran and bring in the really promising talent. So, uh, yeah, I don't think this is um, Richardson out, but um, it could be one that it opens up that opportunity should the draft fall perfectly for them and for what they want. Next... We're going to jump over. Um, and oh, just a question on what that means for Jordan Elliott, because many people had sort of felt Jordan Elliott was probably more of a three tech, um, even though he's 315 pounds. But this could be a sign that they actually view him more as a one tech long term. Or as I, <laughs> I said pre show, no, we're actually going to have three, three techs and one one tech, because quite frankly, if we're going to start passing the ball more, we're going to be ahead more, and that will mean playing from in front and rushing the passer rather than worrying about the run. I think Elliot is a guy, he has that quick first step. I think this will be a season for him to develop maybe a counter move inside. But yeah, I mean, being in the low 300s, I mean, it's tough to tell because obviously we're just going off of what the internet says he is. We don't know what his exact weight is until really you know, he shows up for camp. We'll be able to take a look at his body. Who knows? The Browns could have given him an off season where they're saying, Hey, we want you to either put a little bit of size on. We want you to take a little bit of size off. Joe Woods could just want that versatility of having guys that can play inside and outside and really not be interested in the say Danny Shelton type zeros and ones. Just give me one threes and you know, some solid threes and let's roll from there. No, hundred percent. The next name is what you would consider to be the direct placement for BJ Goodson. He got the same deal. <laughs> He's got literally identical athletic measurables. If we're looking at relative athletic score and combine stuff, pretty much the same stats um, yeah. from the year before he joined the Browns. I, te I texted you. I was like, boy, I think this closes the book on BJ Goodson because there could not be another player in the league. He's a little bit more physical, but in terms of results, man, they are pretty close. And, and, Kevin Stefanski described him, uh, Goodson, as the leader of the defense. And whether it's Darius Leonard, whether it's Chris Ballard, basically described as the smartest player on their defense, um, a great leader. And that is Anthony Walker, who they brought in for a visit. I don't, I think it was because they wanted a, a, a medical, because I think it was slight injury last year, nothing major. Um, and that's all been cleared up. But the dude apparently just wanted to play more um, and when you're paying someone three and a half million, that that is your starting linebacker, whereas everyone else is rotational. Yeah, Anthony Walker, kid out of Northwestern. So for the international people, Northwestern is a Big Ten school here in Chicago, highly um, academic institution. So they're always known as having some pretty smart, headsy football players. Um, he's a guy that just brings an element of physicality to the defense. So much like BJ Goodson was kind of the, the commander, the chief, so to say, well, Darius Leonard is really the core of the Indianapolis linebacker core. So what's happened is, is walkers had to kind of develop into more of a Sam type of linebacker. Whereas it sounds like in Woods's defense, he may go inside as opposed to playing, you know, with maybe Taki Taki on one side, maybe with Malcolm Smith in that kind of coverage weak side role. So I think this is more of just a scheme fit where they got him three and a half million bucks. They got him pretty cheap. And 
you know, as you saw from, you know, tweets coming from the Indianapolis Colts players. I mean, this was a guy that was really respected in the locker room, you know, him and Jarvis Landry can compete for that title. So, you know, we'll just see. It's one of those things where you're going to get productivity. Andrew Barry said, I have three and a half million dollars to put into this position. BJ, if you want it, there you go. If not, I'll go get literally your exact athletic profile guy from somewhere else. So they called up Anthony Walker. He came in from a visit yesterday and he put the ink on the paper today. Yeah, and it's it's not. I'll be honest. It's not one I'm excited about. Um, it's a bit of a meh signing. But well, you're not really a linebacker fan, anyways. Yeah, quite frankly, if if you're gonna pay three and a half million to him, and basically the rest of your other four linebackers are basically three and a half million between them, it doesn't matter too much. So it's half the linebacker budget. But when you're having a linebacker room that's less than seven and a half million. I really don't mind. Um, that That's part of the success of the job. So, um, no, there'll be some great special teamers in there. And uh, they'll probably each have different roles. There's going to be ones where they'll have him out there. There's going to be times when Tacky Tacky might be out there by himself, when Smith's out there by himself, when Phillips is out there by himself. And it, it gives us that extra one year to see, hey, they obviously want Phillips to be something. And he had off flashes last year. Can he do that consistently enough that you go... Right, Walker, you were good, but we've got Phillips stepping up. We're just going to go with him, and uh, he's going to give us what you guys are doing, but a lot, lot cheaper. So you need that one-year bridge as we did last year and we did again this year because until the rookies show you they've got it, we're not at the position where we can go, let's throw him out there, and it doesn't matter if he's still learning on the job. We want instant production, and as I've said before, we might not have any rookies start on this entire team week one. And that's a good thing. That's not a you've drafted bad. That is you have a really, really, really talented roster. Yeah. And it's one of those things you may not go out and have, you know, a, a KJ Wright or a, you know, a Seattle type linebacking core where you've got two guys that are Bobby Wagner, so to say, that's getting paid just in oodles and noodles amounts of money. It could be just one of those ones where we need average to above average play from our linebackers to let everybody else succeed. You know, there was times, especially in the playoff game where Taki Taki had opportunities to make plays and just didn't make them. And, you know, Malcolm Smith's a guy you can come in, you trust that he's going to be in the right place all signs are pointing to that is pretty much the same style that you're going to get through Anthony Walker. So you pretty much see that the Browns have gone to a veteran guy that you can rely on, you know, and to be fair, Stefanski did this with Andrew Sandejo. I know everybody wanted to crush him about that, but the reason he went out and got him is because he was a guy that you knew he may not make the play hundred percent of the time, but you knew he was going to be in the right spot. So it wasn't a Mac Wilson letdown where all of a sudden somebody's running free down the middle of the field for a, you know, a long touchdown. This is a guy that comes in, shows people the right way. You hope can nurture a guy like Taki Taki, a guy like Mac Wilson, who may have a higher athletic profile and then get more out of them. So you can definitely tell that the Browns strategy here with that linebacker court is to keep it simple, keep it veteran and keep it smart. So it's, Nick, a, it's sorry, guys, here's a question for you. Do you think the two new signings, let's try and get the names correct here. Anthony Walker and Malik Jackson are better than Ogijobi and BJ Goodson. Yes. I, I, I think Walker and Goodson are just a wash, but Malik Jackson is certainly an improvement. Yeah, I took the sum of those two. I like, phys I like the physicality that Walker brings. Um, I liked Goodson, but I think Walker just adds a little bit more 
Um, I'd have to look at their ages, but I do believe if Walker's a year younger, right? At the end of the day, they're not going to be here long term. So the age thing I'm just going bother me. It, the age and the injury, I'm just going there. But yeah, Malik Jackson, I think, is an upgrade over Larry Ogunjobi. So I would say the Walker-Jackson combo is better than the Goodson-Ogunjobi combo. And the last and the last question, Jack, sorry for cutting you up, is do you think uh, uh, Anthony Walker will be playing any specials teams? Most linebackers that might play some specials. Um, it's generally going to be the depth guys, but it's one of them that is let them compete and um, pray for a workout who's best. That's a very diplomatic answer there, Jack. For, for three and a half million, he may have to he may have to play some specials. There's no doubt about it, especially a guy that's probably only going to play in maybe fifty percent of the defensive snaps. So, I mean, if the Browns go to a 4-3, say, against like the Baltimore where you're going to get a little size or you're going to go with a 5-2 bare front, you're probably going to have your bigger guys on the field. Whereas if you go against the Chiefs, Anthony Walker's probably not going to see the field much just because, I mean, while he's okay in coverage, I don't see him like shutting down Travis Kelsey or anything like that. That's kind of my theory on that is, is it depends on what you're going to go with there. So he's played 222. Oh, no, sorry. He plays about 150 special team snaps a year and he's done well um for really really good in his first two years um just above average in his uh two most recent so uh no he, he he's a really good addition um there the next name i want to get onto before we wrap up we've only got a minute and a half left is mr cody parkey um i, I know ian fell in love with every kicker that's in the NFL, but I said, Hey, you bring him back. He deserves you to come back. Bite your damn Only dumb. give him a bit in guarantees because you want to see, Hey, is he going to come in and work it? And the other advantage, he qualifies for the um, vet minimum. Um, I forget the exact wording. So even though he's getting paid just for 1.2 million, he actually accounts for on the cap 987.5 hundred thousand. So um, another cheap, good addition. Um, yeah, you, you've got 200,000. So if you bring in a UDFA and fall in love with him in camp and he wins out the job, you, you can happily wash your hands. I think Parky's just a guy they rely on. They know him, prefer likes him. You know, he's not going to be out there booting your 60 yarders or anything like that. But, you know, let's be honest, Cody Parky had a streak there at the beginning of the season where he wasn't missing. I know he had a couple tight, you know, tight butt cheek moments there towards the end of the season. But last I checked, week 17 and in the playoffs, he didn't miss. Yeah, and lives on. Kickers are people too. The, the key thing is you don't want to give them long-term deals because even Justin Tucker was struggling at times and you don't want to be tying up 5 million of guarantees and then suddenly you're cutting on week six because he's just had three weeks of a mare. Um, keep them guarantees low and if you have to move on because it hits the wall, kick, kickers are real people, so there's plenty more out there in the sea. Is there anything else to add, guys? Um, Juju's riding his bike back to Pittsburgh. Anthony Harris is off to the Eagles. Any signings today that uh, stood out as being some value ones, or what do you think? I think that is pretty much it. That's the wrap-up. Um, we're now at 15 minutes, so as always, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.